So first of all, uh, thank you, uh, Nathan. That was incredible. I'm so excited to be working right next to you for the next month. It's uh, amazing work. I'm so inspired and so excited for, uh, for the next few weeks. Um, so I am Jesse Egner. Um, I am a visual artist currently based in Brooklyn, uh, New York. I'm originally from uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, I've been living in New York for the last couple of years, moved there for grad school uh, to get my uh, MFA in, in photography. Uh, I mainly work with photography. I do a little bit of video, a um, little bit of like performance and some other like dabble in a couple little other things as well. Um, so I um, actually started just like, just like a little bit of background. When I went to undergrad, uh, I started as a sociology major because I was really interested in like looking at different like quirks of how society works and just like, you know, um, like I really loved like if you ever have like taken like a sociology like one on one course, like a breaking the norm project thing where you kind of like question these kind of like rules and, and things that are like in society and, um, and, and I was really interested in things like that. Um, but I quickly realized that um, doing that through actually like something super, super academic like sociology wasn't quite like the right fit. It was like too much like statistics and too much like reading and just like it was like too much. And then um, I was taking a photography course as an elective and I realized that I could kind of like explore these ideas that I was really interested in um, through like a visual medium. And, and um, so that's kind of like how I uh, got involved in photography. Um, so I'm gonna share a couple projects that I've worked on over the last couple of years, as well as uh, my current um, series that's uh, in progress. Um, so like I mentioned, I grew up in the small city of uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, growing up as a queer person there, I faced a lot of like exclusion from my fellow like gay community members because of my body. And so this put me in like a place of like a precarious relationship between myself, my body and my queerness. Uh, so when I moved to New York City in 2018, I was hoping for this like queer utopia. I was like, oh my God, I'm making it. This is gonna be great. I'm gonna make all these friends. I'm gonna like get a boyfriend. Everything's gonna be great. Um, and, and that I'd feel more welcome and accepted. Um, but this wasn't entirely the case. Like many of these like exclusionary practices and attitudes um, remained and in some cases were even like amplified with like how large like the queer community is there. So I took this um, uh, self-portrait um, soon after moving to New York to um, kind of look at this frustration. Um, it, was, it was really out of this like frustration that I was experiencing. Uh, so in this photo, um, my phone is like haphazardly attached to my face with some tape and rubber bands and open on the phone is the app Grinder, which is an app that gay men use to meet uh, other gay men, usually for like sexual, casual sexual encounters. Um, and to kind of like give an example of like what I'm talking about here, um, a common phrase or like variation of phrases that um, you can find on some of these apps are like no fats, no femmes, no Asians, no blacks, just like excluding just like groups of people, just like, just like you're like, telling a server at a restaurant, like, oh, I'm allergic to nuts. Like, no thank you, like, not for me. Uh, like, like, these are groups of people. This is like, kind of problematic. Um, so I continued to explore these emotions and this like precarious relationship through self-portraiture um, where I was putting different objects and materials on my face. Uh, I was thinking about how the face is kind of like representative of our identity and our interaction with the outside world. And it's also how people like identify us and how people remember us. 
So I was thinking of like, what are some ways that I can obstruct, obscure, manipulate, and just kind of like play, um, play with, you know, my own face. And uh, many of these like objects and materials uh, are referencing different aspects about identity, whether it be like my identity or just um, different aspects of like queer identity um, or, and often like, um, uh, like mental health issues. <clears throat> um, I was also looking at like different dichotomies like pleasure versus pain, religion versus secular, fluidity versus stasis. And I uh, became really interested in these like unusual, <laughs> unusual like juxtapositions um, or situations that kind of like slightly pull away from reality. And this is kind of like where I started to like kind of fall into um, my practice as um, how it is today. So uh, after making that series of self portraits, I wanted to start photographing with other queer people. Um, and I wanted to like start bringing in like other narratives and experiences that could start like influencing the work. Um, and I also started including more surroundings and to look at the interaction between people with their environments. Um, and so because I started working with other people, my process had become very, very collaborative. Um, and my shoots were very playful and spontaneous. And I would work together with the people I was photographing to make these portraits. Um, so like when photographing someone, there's this like power dynamic between like the photographer and the subject. And I'm trying to work against that by engaging in this highly collaborative process. So like by working with the people I'm photographing, I kind of start to uh, collapse this dynamic. And so I became really interested in exploring this idea of precarity through unusual, playful and uncanny portraits. Um, that also kind of like exists in the space between reality and fantasy. Like how I said, I was, I was really getting interested in things that kind of started to pull away, at, pull away from reality a bit. Um, so, but by using like straight photography, and when I say straight photography, I mean just like images pretty much as they, you know, exist in real life. You know, it's not like digital collage or much digital manipulation other than like some simple corrections and things like that. Um, so by using straight photography, uh, which is this like medium that retains this level of indexicality, uh, there's this like grounding in reality. So when I take a photograph, what, uh, what I capture actually appeared before the lens. And so these photographs aren't like a complete fantasy, like it's not, you know, completely, you know, made from nothing. But by playing with that scene in front of the lens, uh, I'm able to kind of push it in, in that space between reality and fantasy. And um, I kind of also started to connect this to queerness, like the space between reality and fantasy, uh, seeing it as like a good reflection of this like transitional space of queerness. <clears throat> and I, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I also uh, really find it important to photograph people um, in their own spaces. or like spaces that they frequent, spaces that they're comfortable in. Um, I think this is like another way that um, I can start like kind of collapsing that like power dynamic between um, me and the subject by having them kind of like on their home turf. Um, and additionally, photographing like in their spaces, uh, it really helps with this like spontaneity that I started uh, like really liked working with. 
Um, so for example, like I'll go to their space and see some object or area of their home that intrigues me. And it's likely something that they don't really, they're not really used to. I mean, something that they're used to and they don't really think about much because it's something that they see every day. And so then this leads to conversation that can, you know, bring about making photos with it and establishes a new dynamic worth exploring. So like, for example, when I went to this person's house and I saw all of this Corgi stuff, I was like, uh, what? And they're like, oh, oh, this, oh, this is, this is nothing. This is just decoration. And I was like, this, this is more than just decoration. Something's going on here. <laughs> Um, and I'm also, um, uh, in, in uh, making this work, I realized I was drawn to references to childhood and how this can also uh, lend to this feeling of like playfulness, um, unusualness, and also the like spontaneity. What's on the bed? Um, it's like little packets of uh, like crystals, like little um, uh, like adhesive, you know, like you peel like the back and you can like stick it like on your face or whatever. Yeah. And um, so this, this body of work, including the, uh, the self-portraits in the beginning, and then all this work that I was continuing to make at this time, um, I started titling this body of work Disidentifications, um, named after the theory of disidentification as described by queer theorist Jose Esteban Munoz. Um, and so like a little overview of this theory, it's um, kind of like when you're faced with like a dominant ideology, you can either identify with it or counter identify with it. But the thing is both of those are still identifying with it. Like there still has that connection to it. So disidentification is kind of this like third option where you can kind of repurpose and reconstruct parts um, of this ideology to sort of remove yourself from this framework and make something new. Um, so that kind of also got me thinking about this idea of like repurposing, restructuring, recycling, um, as well as, you know, and how that relates to like existing in this like transitional space. Um, and this is also like when I started, um, I started to travel to continue making this work. Um, I, up until this point, I was like mainly based in New York. And I remember thinking early on in my grad school career, I was like, how the heck do I make photographs in New York, like a city that has been photographed to death? Like, like, what, like how do I do this? And, um, and since I was someone, you know, from like a, a smaller town, um, I found that like smaller, like rural and like non-urban areas often have like thriving and tight-knit queer communities. And I really wanted to show appreciation for these communities as they're often ignored or looked down upon, uh, it, which it's, um, this like idea called metronormativity, which is this idea that queer people should want to move to the big city or like have to move to the, the big city in order to be accepted or to feel you know welcome and and kind of things like I realized I was like oh these are like similar stuff to like I was facing is making me like rethink you know everything that I had been experiencing <clears throat> in recent years. Um, and yeah, because um, in this like metronormative framework, rural and non-urban places are often seen as like toxic or damaging for queer people um, or places, you know, that they can't really be themselves or be free, which completely like isn't true at all. Um, and also a lot of people like have um, lots of connections and may not have the desire or the means to leave these places. So uh, while shooting for this series, Disidentifications, um, I traveled to a couple different locations. I traveled uh, upstate New York, uh, back home to Pennsylvania. I also went to Wisconsin, Kansas, and Missouri. Um, and when I travel, I really like to immerse myself into the local queer community. 
so for example, when I um, stayed in Kansas, there was this, um, uh, a friend of a friend of a friend told me about this queer co-op housing group um, where they had like a couple houses in Kansas and there's one particular in this one town um, called Lawrence that I went to where it was this huge house, like eight or nine bedrooms and there was like seven or eight queer people living there and they had an extra bedroom um, and they let me stay there um, for two weeks. Um, and it was, so it was just great that I was like living there and could engage in like photo shoots with these people um, in their own space. Um, and also in this very, very like spontaneous uh, process that I'm talking about, you know, where it's instead of being like, okay, let's have a photo shoot scheduled at Saturday at this time, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just kind of like, we're just like hanging out and then it just kind of like happens. And, um, and I think that can, um, it, it really leads to wonderful things. Um, so after working on disidentifications for a while, um, I decided I wanted to start experimenting with video. There was always this like, um, level of like performance in my work. Um, so I kind of wanted to, to see what I could do uh, with video. And I made this piece uh, titled Makeup Tutorial in the summer of 2019. Um, so I'm gonna play it, there's no audio. And this is just, this is like a shorter one minute version. The full version is like three and a half minutes. So I'm gonna let this uh, play for a moment. Yes, yeah, it's like Crayola markers, yeah. <laughs> No, no, it's uh, non-toxic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wash, yeah. The washable, like the kid-friendly, you know, the kind that, like, if your kid draws over themselves, it's totally okay. Yeah, specifically that kind. What's that? No, I couldn't find them. I really wanted to find like the scented ones, but I couldn't. I couldn't find them for some reason. Um, so. Uh, uh, in that video, I was thinking about like these like expectations of either like hyper femininity or hyper masculinity that are uh, often placed on gay men, um, and so I was exploring this using like the language of like this like trendy makeup tutorial, like something that you'd see on like YouTube or Instagram, uh, while also like referencing like camp and drag and bringing back into like a lot of these things. I was uh, really interested in like this like humor, play, uh, and like references to like childhood and things like that. So, um, so that brings me to a, a, um, my next body of work. Um, in February of 2020, right before everything happened, um, I <laughs> stayed in this house in Chicago that was like absolutely full of mirrors. Like in every room, there was like, just like walls that were just like an entire mirror, um, including like the bathroom was like oddly covered in mirrors. So you could like see yourself from every angle, like while you're in very vulnerable positions. Um, so like I was like constantly faced with like my physical presence, like everywhere I turned in, in, in this house. Um, so I started taking some self portraits and then eventually portraits with others in this space. And this started to inspire a new series of work where I was looking back at like what originally made me feel othered, which was my body. Um, and so I was interested in considering this like role of corporeality in queerness, like how queerness is so often connected to the body and physicality. Um, so like in queer and visual, uh, in queer art and visual culture, this like connection is like very apparent, but is also very focused on 
very specific normative bodies, like thin, muscular, white, able-bodied, cisgender bodies. And like, those are the ones that are like represented and celebrated. Um, and so I wanted to provide like a counter narrative to this normative work and sometimes directly poke fun at it a little bit as well. Um, and I um, uh, came to call this series Ad Corpus, which is a play on the term ad hominem, which uh, translates to, um, to the person in Latin and um, describes this uh, fallacy in an argument when you know, you're like arguing or debating with someone and you like attack a person rather than actually attacking their argument. Um, so replacing homonym with corpus, which means body and thinking about like this relationship between, you know, like attacking a body like or a person attacking a body rather than a, like a person, if that makes sense. And I was also thinking about um, this concept of body neutrality, which is um, this response to the body positivity movement that seeks acceptance rather than a need to love like one's own body. Um, so the idea is like you don't need to feel beautiful or sexy in order to love and accept yourself. Like the fact that you exist as a person should be enough. Um, you know, like body positivity is almost like this like can sometimes turn into like toxic positivity where there's this like pressure to feel a certain way like like you have to feel beautiful and sexy and it's like it's like but if you don't like that's okay like you know if like body positivity if you don't feel beautiful if you don't feel sexy it's almost like a failure but like body neutrality is like that's fine like you don't have to feel beautiful and sexy but to you know to not to to you just have to you know there's this like middle ground you know it doesn't have to be like complete opposite like it doesn't have to be a complete um extreme. <clears throat> and so for the series, I was photographing queer bodies through this perspective of body neutrality. Um, and then so mirrors and reflections, particularly ones that like distort or abstract, are also kind of like a recurring theme uh, in that work. And so that brings me to my current work in progress. So, um, with the onset of the pandemic, uh, many like neurotypical and able-bodied people kind of got an insight into the barriers that people with like chronic illness or mental health conditions face like their entire lives. Like during lockdowns, like many people expressed how like getting out of bed and completing everyday activities like felt like a daunting task, like with everything that was going on. And for many people with like chronic illnesses or mental health conditions, like this is just their norm, like whether there's a pandemic or not, uh, they always face these uncertainties. So uh, for the last couple of months, I've been thinking about this like interaction between mental health and chronic illness with queerness. And it's very much like a precarious relationship in a similar way to the precarious relationship I kind of described earlier that I was feeling with myself. But it's this like space rich with like exploration of identity, companionship and reflection. Um, I started using self portraiture, portraiture again, as well as photographing others. Um, but the self-portraiture, especially since like I spent much time in the pandemic alone and with myself, with my thoughts, you know, with I'm sure many of us can relate to. Um, but like as it became safer to do so, I started photographing with others. Um, but now like I had these like changed relationships to my own mental health, my body, and also how I interact with others. Um, so here, for example, like I'm looking at like the connection of like a mental state, like the mirror seam is like abstracting the face. Uh, with this like physical state, like the body balancing on this chair that has just been broken. Um, 
and this also kind of like ties into examining my own perceptions, uh, how my own perceptions of like time and space have been altered. You know, like uh, a lot of people, you know, have described how like sense of time has just been so weird over the last couple of years and sense of space, you know, when you're stuck in your own home, apartment or whatever, and, um, and you can't leave and you can't go anywhere, like, and, and your space almost, you know, it kind of really alters your perception of that space. Um, so uh, as uh, it was just mentioned, I uh, participated recently in this three-month residency at the Santa Fe Art Institute, uh, which actually like just ended, came here straight from there. Um, and during this residency, I was meeting with people in the local queer community of Santa Fe um, and made photographs with them while thinking about like queerness in relation to this idea of like uneasiness, uncertainty, and precarity. Um, and in like in a similar way, I've also been thinking about like changes in our concepts of labor. So for example, like with people losing their jobs or switching to remote work and like remote work continuing to remain much more common than it, than it ever has. Um, I was thinking, compare, like comparing that to how our relationship to um, emotional and mental labor has also been challenged and has needed to adapt over the last couple of years. And just like before, um, I've mostly been photographing people in their own spaces, showing them interacting with their own domestic environments or, or their places of work or places that they're comfortable with. Um, and one thing to note is like, I don't bring props or anything else beyond like my own shooting equipment. Like I bring my camera, maybe some lights, you know, uh, but I don't really bring anything else. Um, for me, this is like a better way to shoot a portrait um, as it shows more about them as a person rather than relying on their physical appearance only by showing like things in their space, things that they have that we can just, you know, come across and, and um, engage in this like playful shoot together. Um, <laughs> so like, so like a person has like much more control over their space and the objects that they keep rather than their physical appearance. Um, so photographing people in this context, I feel reveals much more about them and, and their mind. Um, and this is also like another way, like I mentioned earlier, to kind of like collapse this power dynamic between subject and photographer. Like if I were to bring like my own props or anything like that, it'd be like I'm projecting my own self onto them. And also like people like aren't really into it that much when it's like, you know, just things being handed to them. And, um, and so like this way, when it's like their own things, they kind of also like retain more of their own agency as well. And of course, like when you photograph someone um, in their own space, it increases these like emotions of like connection, intimacy, and pathos. So I've been calling this new series Unaffixed um, to reflect like these ubiquitous uncertainties uh, while also considering the uneasiness and challenges that I face as a queer person with mental health conditions and, and a non-normative body and expressing that visually through my connections with others. And um, I think this idea of being unaffixed isn't necessarily bad. Uh, and it can be this like great place to continue exploring playfulness, humor, and collaboration. Um, and this, I feel like this like state of being unaffixed also reflects this like spon uh, spontaneous nature of my process. Um, and I've also been collaborating with other artists as well, uh, many, of whom who have, uh, many of whom who have experienced changes in their own practice over the last couple of years. 
And I've also been thinking about how our relationships and our concept of relationships have changed and adapted over the last few years. Like the way we interact with other people has changed dramatically, you know, from quarantining, social distancing, Zoom meetings, blah, blah, blah. You know, physical human contact became like a rare commodity. And not only has our interactions with others changed, but our interactions with ourselves have changed. Uh, many of us have had like a period of time alone for much introspection to a point where it became our norm. Until then, we had to like once again like face the world, you know, after going through um, all of this. Um, so during my time here, I'm. Um, planning on engaging with like the queer community i'm already so blown away with like the sense of community here like the amount of people that are here today like thank you all for coming like it's like it, it's it's so mind-blowing and, and so incredible to see a place with like such a great sense of community um so i hope to like uh engage with some uh some of the local community uh to continue making some portraits uh and i'm also gonna um continue making some self-portraits as well i mean there's like beautiful landscape here you know um uh to do that uh, I've also been um, very recently, like just like towards the end of my residency in Santa Fe, um, I started some like experimental processes using cyanotypes, which is this like um, photo process where you like coat something in this chemistry and then you use the sun to expose an image onto whatever it is that you put the chemistry on. Um, and I'm uh, experimenting using that on different uh, materials, such as pieces of fabric that I hand knit. Uh, I don't have any images of those because they're very recent, but I do have some physically that I will be hanging up um, here over the next couple of days. So um, that's motivation to come back and, <laughs> and, and take a look when they're here. It's, uh, it's um, very different from, uh, from anything that I've done, um, done so far. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's everything I have. Um, I'd love to hear if anybody has any questions or anything. Unlikely hikers? Yeah. I have not. You should. Okay, I'm gonna write that down. Yeah, you should get on some trails. Yes. It's like people that know anybody that, you know, if there are people here who want to, like, take Jesse or Nathan anywhere, uh, dinner, hiking, you know, beach walk, setting up, I mean, mm -hmm. Jesse's contact is also close here. Mm -hmm. They're generous, their intention to be with their time and opportunity to connect with you all. So. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. But in Santa Fe, like my favorite thing to do was like going on hikes. I went on so many hikes and it's uh, so beautiful. So if anyone, even if you have like recommendations of like a trail, just like even just like shoot me like an email or an Instagram message and be like, oh my God, go to this trail. Yeah. So, so it seems like you've been on, uh, on a journey actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so where are you now? Um, I... <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I'm in Alaska. <laughs> um, yeah, the, yeah. I um, I really don't know. I mean, I kind of just am just kind of like going where it takes me. Um, you know, I think my whole 
not only is are like my shoots spontaneous and kind of like fluid and playful, but I think just kind of like the whole trajectory of everything and just kind of like let it go where it goes. Um, so I think it's kind of hard to see like where I am now, like, I don't know, it's, it's a tough one. Um, Cause this is, this is a relatively new body of work that I'm working on. Um, so I'm still kind of like figuring out what it is, what it's doing. Like I definitely had this like idea, especially like when I went to Santa Fe, um, like I had this kind of like idea of what I was going to work on. But the most important thing was just to connect with people and do photos. And I ended up doing that a lot more than I, than I thought I would in Santa Fe. I ended up meeting a, a lot more people than I uh, could ever imagine. And, um, and so I just kind of like really was just like focusing on that and just like meeting people, connecting with people, engaging with people and uh, collaborating. Um, so I think, I think that's kind of where I am, kind of like stepping back and just kind of doing that right now. Um, I can't entirely remember. Like I, I think I like applied like way back in 2020. Um, and I, I think actually I specifically was looking for, because like I spent, uh, you know, like I, I moved to New York in 2018 and then uh, the pandemic started in my last semester of grad school. Um, and then I was like really just like stuck in my apartment in New York for the longest time. And I was like, I need to get out of the city. And I was like, okay, where can I go? Like, what are some places I can go to? Like, what are some residencies I can apply to after I'm like done school? Um, and I was like looking for residencies that were, you know, far away from New York. And I think I specifically, I, if I remember correctly, I think I was specifically like, cause I came across like residencies like in Hawaii and stuff like that. And, and there's like tons. And then I was like, oh, but there's Alaska. And I, so I like, I like, I think I just Googled like residencies in Alaska. Cause I was like, I was also like, I don't want to have to deal with like visa stuff. And it's also like very, very expensive. You know, if I were to like really go somewhere really far. So um, yeah, I just really wanted to, you know, get somewhere new. And also, like I said, I um, really like going to more like non urban areas, non, you know, big cities. Um, since that is like the kind of reminds me of, you know, where I'm from originally. Oh my God, don't make me pick. <laughs> Actually, I made, when I was in Santa Fe, we, we did, we cooked for each other a lot. It was like the other, there was like, uh, like between like nine to 12 residents at any time. And I made a shoe fly pie and everyone was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and they were all afraid to try it. And yeah, for those of you that don't know, shoe fly pie is a molasses pie. Uh, it's like an Amish dessert from like Pennsylvania Dutch count like country so it's very good highly recommend it's really annoying to make though a whoopie pie is <laughs> um it's like a sandwich of like two something between like cake and cookie it's like very cakey flat things and then um you put like a layer of like cream or uh, uh icing between them the, technically, you're supposed to like make it like from scratch, and it's not just like regular icing. But you can like cheat and just go like a jar of icing and just put that on there. <laughs> yeah, Amish people like Am like Amish desserts like mwah, amazing. <laughs> What's that? My mom. 
Um, no, I think she, she's excited. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Um, I think it's, it's like so exciting. Like I, I was just like talking, like realizing like I, I'd never met anyone from Alaska, like ever. Like it feels so like far. And cause I hadn't even before I went to Santa Fe, the farthest west I'd ever been in the United States was Kansas City. And I actually, I drove to Santa Fe and then drove to LA and fl flew from LA to here. And just like m one of my favorite things was just like seeing the landscape change as I drove across the country and seeing, you know, plants and mountains and things like that that I've never seen before in person. And it was very exciting. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to hear some of those stories if you ever want to reach out. And yeah, that invitation is very open. Um, outside of uh, Kansas City, like Kansas City, Missouri. So I was, I was in Lawrence, Kansas, and then I went like to the other side of Kansas City, Missouri to like the suburbs out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, is there any other questions? Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you.